Amen. This is that story. Amen. Open your Bibles to John chapter 8 tonight. John chapter 8 tonight. So far in our study, we have looked at the good news that we have in Jesus. And that's the, the process that we're in, looking at the good news that we have in Jesus. So far, we have looked at the good news that we have in a risen, resurrected Savior. Uh, so far, we've looked at the good news, and this really is great news, of the reality of a God that so loves us. What an awesome thing that is. We have a gracious, kind God that seeing us in our state, even in our sin, so loves us. Now, one of my favorite things of these now 39 nights is that we have heard and we've been reminded of so much good news. And what a blessing it has been to again hear the good news over and over of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Friends, be sure tonight, we are blessed to be a people of good news. Our world is covered up in bad news uh, every single day. We are blessed to be a people of good news. Well, in light of so much good news, I want us to think tonight, what is the bad news? Uh, if this is the good news, and if we do have good news, then I want us to slow down, and I want us to think tonight, so what then is the bad news. You know, one of the things that I have learned in studying the Bible, and it's been a pattern that I, that I keep seeing, is that God is forthright when he speaks. God is plain spoken. He's clear when he speaks. And while he is loving to tell us that we do have good news, he is also gracious, and that's really the word for it. He is gracious to warn us of the bad news. He never leaves us to guess. He is never ambiguous. And in his grace, he tells us what we can expect, what we can certainly expect if we reject the good news of Jesus Christ. Tonight, our message is entitled, The Truth of Unbelief. The Truth of Unbelief. Tonight, we're in John chapter 8, Verses 21 through 29, the truth of unbelief. John chapter 8, verses 21 through 29. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. John chapter 8, beginning in verse 21, God's word says this. Then he said again to them, I go away and you will seek me and will die in your sin." Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews were saying, surely he will not kill himself, will he? Since he says, where I am going, you cannot come. And he was saying to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they were saying to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, what have I been saying to you from the beginning? I have many things to speak and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true. And the things which I heard from him, these I speak to the world, 
They did not realize that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. And I can do nothing of my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come tonight, we, we come um, and we, we have a, a, a sense of urgency tonight, I pray. I, I pray that we're thirsty for good news. We're thankful for the story that we love to tell. We want to know Jesus. We want to know you more intimately. I pray that that's the fruit of this night. Lord, I, I pray that you would speak to us this night in your word, that you would lead us and grow us this night in your word. And Lord, I pray that you would be glorified in this process tonight. Lord, I, I come and I pray for this message as it goes out. I pray, Lord, that you can do what we, we can never do. I, I pray that you would take it and multiply it, that you would send it to those that are hurting, those that are lost, those that are looking. And I pray that it is a salve, that it is good news in a world of bad news. Lord, I, I pray for us that are in this room tonight. I I pray that we will be encouraged tonight. I pray again that we will be instructed and made urgent tonight. And I pray that the fruit of this will we will be ambassadors for the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm thankful for 39 nights to preach your truth, your good news. I pray that you are known and glorified in it. You are worthy. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Why would you not believe the good news? Why would you not believe the good news? Why would someone have to twist your arm, and sometimes it feels like that's what we're doing, have to twist your arm in order that you would embrace and receive the good news of Jesus Christ? Now, I'll tell you that never has made sense to me. It still does not make sense to me. When I hear about the forgiveness of my sin, I know my sin, and I know what I've earned in my sin. When I hear about restoration, when I, when I hear about peace with God, when I hear about eternal life, I grab a hold of it. I am glad for it. And so the question is always strange to me, so why is it so hard for some? I, I hear the good news. I love it. So why is it so hard for some. Now, there could be several reasons, and I know that there are several reasons, but maybe one is we've neglected to tell the flip side of the coin. Maybe we've gotten so excited about the good news that we failed to even admit that there is bad news. I think there's some folks that are scared and uh, how it represents God to say there is actually bad news. Well, Tonight, we're going to see in our verses, unbelief has a high cost. Unbelief has a staggering impact. And we should be urgent for all people, ourselves first and then for others, to escape the peril of unbelief. Remember in our account, Jesus has gone to Jerusalem. We've been in the same account for several evenings. 
He has gone to the festival of booths or tabernacles. He has proclaimed once there again who he is. He has declared that he is the promised Messiah. He's made that very clear. He has called for many, all of them, to believe in that truth. And so he has gone there. He has told them in several ways who he is, that he's the Messiah, and he's called for them to believe in him. Well, remember, the response has been varied. The Bible tells us that some are believing. It also tells us that many are pondering his claims. They're considering what he has said. They're weighing it out, and they're actually pondering his claims. But it also says that some are rejecting him. In fact, the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, the scribes, the members of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish leaders are actually during these days growing in their disdain for Jesus. Uh, Now more than ever they want him dead. Uh, Now more than ever they are rejecting him. Now more than ever they are denying him. In fact, now violently so. They will want to seize him and they want to kill Jesus. And that is where we start in our verses tonight. They are rejecting Jesus. They are adamant in their unbelief, and they're seeking to kill Jesus. That's where we start tonight, beginning in verse 21. Then he said again to them, I go away, and you will seek me, and will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. Remember a little way back, it's actually in chapter 7, verses 33 and 34. He told them basically the same thing. He said that he was leaving and where he was going that they could not follow. Now, we know he's talking about his death and his resurrection, his ascension back to heaven. He is leaving. He is going to be crucified. He will die. He will, he will be risen from the dead and he will sin to heaven. And so he said, I'm going somewhere, and where I'm going, you cannot go. Well, now in verse 21, he says the same thing, but notice tonight, he adds something to it. He says, and you will die in your sin. To these that are unbelieving, he says, and you will die in your sin. Now, we're going to talk more about it. But I want you to see here in verse 21, the word sin is singular. He says, you will die in your sin. It is not plural. It is singular. Well, understand the sin here, the singular sin is the sin of unbelief. Now, that comes from the context. What he has been calling them to do is to believe. That's what he's been doing. And that is what they are rejecting. And so the singular sin is the sin of unbelief. And so Jesus says here, you will die in your unbelief. You will die in your singular sin. In your unbelief, you will die. Get this tonight. We live by faith. We die in unbelief. The reality is in unbelief, we will Die. Verse 22. So the Jews were saying, Surely he will not kill himself, will he? Since he says, Where I am going, you cannot 
come. Now, verse 22, understand this, is not a serious statement by the Jews. First tonight, see this, they make light of their unbelief. We're going to see a couple things they do in their unbelief. The first thing tonight is they make light of their unbelief. Now, let me explain this to you. To commit suicide was the worst thing possible for a Jewish person. They would be disgraced. They would be looked down upon. They would be dishonored. They would not even have a funeral for them. Uh, Josephus, who is a Jewish historian, a Jewish writer, he said that a person that commits suicide, the Jewish understanding was that the worst part of hell was reserved for them. That was the Jewish thought. They would not just go to hell. They would not just be damned to hell, but they would go to the worst part of hell. And so understand, here the Jews say, he says, where I'm going, y'all can't come. He's not going to hell, is he? Now, one, they're laughing at him. But second, the, the, the second thing is they understand they're going to heaven. And so they, they make a joke out of the situation. They make light of the situation. You say you're going somewhere we can't go. You're going to hell. And we're certainly not. That's what they say. Do you know, and maybe you've heard this, I've heard this, there are people in their unbelief that make light of it. And boy, in our hard world, I see it more and more frequently, but there are people in their unbelief, and they make light of it, and they'll say, well, you know what? If there's a hell, there'll be some pretty good people in hell. I've heard them say that. Well, my friends, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're all going to be in hell. When we get there, we'll have a drink together. And they make light of this, the, the reality of hell. Well, that's where all the fun's going to be anyway. We'll party all the way to hell's gate. They make light of their unbelief. Well, here they actually make fun of Jesus. You're going somewhere we can't go. You're going to hell. They make light of his claim that he's telling them. In unbelief, they will suffer a penalty. All right, verse 23. And he was saying to them, here's his response. You are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Jesus points out here in the 23rd verse they can't break free from their worldly understanding. That's basically what he says. They are consumed, they are led by their worldly thinking. And so he tells them, I'm not like you. You, you have a worldly mindset. That's how you understand all things. He's telling them, I'm not like you. I am from heaven. That's what verse 23 means. All right, verse 24. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Let me read that again. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Verse 24 is a huge verse. They are not believing they are making light of it. They are set against him. They are raising, notice this, countless objections to him. 
And all the way through this gospel, they raise an objection. He answers it. They raise another objection. He answers that. They raise another objection. They're throwing up objection after objection. They are found defiant in their unbelief. They are defiant in their unbelief. And so here he goes in verse 24. He says, therefore, here we go. You're defiant in your unbelief. Let me explain it to you. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins. Notice sins is now plural. I said to you that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe, unless is the alternative, unless is the remedy, unless is the possibility. He says, unless you will certainly, surely die in your sins. And so unless is the alternative. He says, unless, here's your alternative, you believe, you Believe. Now, I want to make sure we understand this. He is talking to a group here, but the call is now personal. Unless you believe. It is a personal evaluation they will make, and it is a personal response that he's calling for. He's talking to a group, but he says, unless you, as an individual, believe. You believe. Now, again, see tonight, it is an issue, not of works. Sometimes we think, well, it's, we're going to do good things. It's not an issue of doing something. It's not an issue of earning something. I've got to earn my salvation. No, it is an issue of belief. Listen tonight, we are saved by faith. We are saved by belief in Jesus Christ. And so he says the issue here is not works. It's not tipping a scale. The issue is Belief, And so he says, unless you believe that I am he. What are we saved in? I wonder how many folks, if you ask this question, could actually answer it. What are we saved in as followers of Christ? Jesus says it is belief that I am he. How are you saved? Jesus says, it is belief that I am he. Now stay with me. In the Greek, in the original language, now get ready for this, he is not there. It is implied, and so in the English translation, it puts it in. But it actually says, I am. Believe that I am. Unless you believe, here's what it says, that I am. Now stay with me. Once again, that is the verb that God has chosen to name himself and to reveal himself in. Remember back, we've talked about it several times in the Old Testament. Moses says, what if they ask who sent me? Whose authority am I coming on? And he says, you tell them that I am has sent you. Well, this is the verb that God has chosen to name himself and to reveal himself in. Now, I want you to think about that already tonight. Think about the times that Jesus has already, just in eight chapters, he's about to do it again, but that he has already said, I am. He says, I am he to the woman at the well, speaking of the Messiah. She says, when the Messiah comes, he says, I am he. 
chapter 4, verse 26. He says, I am the bread that has come down out of heaven. Chapter 4, verse 16. He says, I am the bread of life. Just like you ate the manna and they lived, I am the bread of life. Chapter 6, verse 35 and verse 48. He says, I am living bread. In him is life. Chapter 5, verse 16. He says, I am the light of the world. Chapter 8, verse 18. Remember, in the light was life. He says, I am he who will testify to himself. Chapter 8, verse 12. Now, that's just this far in our study. Now, I want you to be sure tonight. Jesus is saying, you will die in your sins unless you believe in the truth of who he is. I want you to hear every word of this. Jesus says, you will die in your sins unless you believe in the truth of who he is. Friends, that is the gospel. It's the gospel that's the power of God and the salvation. That is the good news of Jesus. That is how we're saved. It is the truth by which we're saved. It is the truth of Jesus. Now listen, and it is all of it. Do you see why there's an attack against the truth? Do you see why knowing the truth matters? It's the belief that Jesus is God. That's why the understanding of the Trinity is important. The understanding of Jesus as the creator is important. The virgin birth, is that important? Well, yes, it is. That's why the incarnation that he is God, fully God, and he takes on human flesh. That's why that is important. It is the belief that Jesus is God. Listen, it's non-negotiable. It is the belief that he is the sinless lamb, that he was tempted in every way as we are, and yet without sin. Some say, well, he sinned, it doesn't matter. No, he didn't sin, not once. It is non-negotiable. He is the sinless lamb. It is the belief that he died on the cross for sin. Listen to me, in our place, he actually physically died as the payment for sin. His blood was shed for the remission of our sin. Well, does that matter? Can he be a great teacher apart from that? No, it's non-negotiable. He died on the cross shedding his blood for our sin. It is the belief that he rose from the dead, that he died, and then after having died, that he actually, literally, physically, historically, bodily, truthfully rose from the dead. That is non-negotiable. I once talked to a guy and he said, I, I don't know, maybe it was a spiritual resurrection. No, it is a physical resurrection. Listen, it's the belief that he's coming again, that he's coming in victory. Listen, that's part of the gospel, that he's coming in judgment, that he's coming to make all things new. It is non-negotiable. Listen tonight. We are saved by embracing the truth of Jesus in Faith, we are saved by trusting the good news, the gospel, the truth of Jesus. And unless that happens, we die in our sins. I go to funerals, I preach funerals, and they'll say, well, they were a good person. They were a great person. 
They were generous. Oh, they were generous. They'd give you the shirt off their back. They tried to be good. I hear that all the time. I sure liked them. I, I liked them. Listen, unless you've trusted the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will die in your sins. And so get this tonight. Listen very carefully. If we are saved by belief in the gospel, it means that no one can be saved apart from the gospel. Man, we better get that. Well, isn't he going to do something else for somebody else? No. Isn't it different for somebody else? No. If we're saved, listen, by belief in the gospel, it means that no one can be saved apart from the gospel. And so to be saved, people must hear the gospel. Listen tonight, doesn't that make you urgent? Doesn't that make you burdened tonight? Anybody that doesn't hear the gospel, they will die in their sins. Doesn't that make you regret all the wasted time? Man, it does me. We are saved in the gospel. Nobody will be saved apart from the gospel, but they must hear the gospel. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, that I am, you will die in your sins. Last part of the verse says this. You will die in your sins. I want to explain this. Because of the unpardonable sin singular of unbelief in verse 21, listen to me. Because of the sin singular of unbelief, Jesus says the consequence is you will now die in your sins plural. Because of your unbelief, singular sin, you will now die in your sins, plural. Now, what does that mean? Well, here's the bad news. The bad news is this. Now, first off, we need to understand this. There is a point when it will be too late. Do you know that? There is a point when it will be too late. There is a point when the gospel will not be good news for you, but it will be the basis, the criteria for your sentencing. Did you know that? We love the good news. We love the good news. There will be a point when the gospel for you will no longer be good news. It'll be the criteria that you rejected for your sentencing. There is a point when God's grace that is unlimited to you will no longer be accessible to you. Do you understand that? God's grace is new every morning. God's grace is greater than our sin. We can't out-sin His grace. He has grace for us, but there will be a point when His unlimited grace will be inaccessible to you. And that point is final. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says, It is appointed for man once to die, and then his judgment. And I want to tell you tonight, friend, no amount of regret will ever overturn it. No amount of pleading will ever change it. There's a point that it'll be too late for you. Do you understand that? And you will die in your 
sins. Now, what does that mean? Let's go on. Here's, here's the bad news. First, it means this. It means you will carry your sins into eternity. Now, I want, I want to explain that. If you die in your sins, which is what will happen if you do not trust Jesus, you will carry your sins, all of your sins, into eternity. Listen to me. The guilt of them, the weight of them, the consequence of them, the grossness of them, the memory of them, all of your sins, the ones that everybody knows, the ones that nobody knows, the sins that hurt you, the sins that hurt others, you will carry your sins into eternity. There will be no relief for you. You will stand in eternity under your sin. You've died in them, and now you will forever, eternally carry them. Second part of the bad news is this. Dying in your sin, you will suffer the punishment for your sin for all eternity. You will suffer the, the, the punishment for your sin for all eternity. God hates sin God punishes sin. He promises injustice to judge sin. The book of Revelation, let me just tell you, says this. He has made a place, these are his words, not mine, of eternal torment and suffering. Those are his words. Torment and suffering. He says in the book of Revelation, it is the lake of fire. It was created for Satan and his demons. The Bible says in the last day, Satan and his demons and unbelievers will be poured into the lake of fire, a place of suffering and torment. They will suffer the punishment of sin. And I want you to hear me. It will not lessen with time. It will not wind down with the passing of centuries. You will not escape from it. Nobody can pray you out of it. Nobody can pay enough to get you out of there. You will not pass away. You will not cease to exist. You will eternally suffer the punishment of God against sin. You have died in your sin, and you will suffer eternally for your sin. I don't know that I've ever heard that in a sermon. I don't know that I've ever heard that in a sermon. Here's the bad news. That's not all of it. To die in your sin means you'll be absent from heaven. You'll be absent from heaven. God can have no part of sin. And his perfect end is there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Book of Revelation. And there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And in that new heaven and that new earth, there'll be no room for sin. There'll be no reminder of sin. There'll be no effect of sin. So as a sinner, eternally bound to your sin, you will be absent from heaven. Let me tell you what that means. There'll be no light. There'll be no hope. There'll be no joy. There'll be no peace. There'll be no tree of life and eternal bloom, not for you. There'll be no crystal river running from the throne. There'll be no eternal chorus. Holy, holy, holy. You'll not hear him sing it. 
There'll be no precious reunions. Aren't you looking forward to the reunions that'll come through Jesus? You won't see them. There'll be no pearl gate. There'll be no foundational stones. And there'll be no way for you to get there. You will be absent from heaven. The last piece of the bad news is this. If you die in your sins, if you've rejected Christ, you will forever and ever and ever, bound to your sin, suffering the punishment for sin, you will be out of fellowship with the God that so loved you. He bought your pardon. You will not be with Jesus. He loved you. He came for you. He sought you. In the cross of Calvary, he bought you back. Listen, he paid for sin. He paid for you. And you are missing him now in your sin. And on that day, if you die in your sin, you will never be with Jesus. That's the bad news. That's the bad news. Verse 25. So they were saying to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, what have I been saying to you from the beginning? Remember in their unbelief, they make light of their unbelief. They laugh at it. Well, now they play dumb in their unbelief. They sit there and they actually say, Jesus tells them what the bad news is. And they actually have the audacity to say, who are you? All of the signs that they've heard about, all the miracles that they've seen, all of the teaching that they've heard, all of the discussions that they've had, and they actually had the audacity to say, who are you? In their unbelief, they play dumb. How many people act like they don't know in their unbelief? And, and really, the reality is they just don't care. But you ask them, Are you, do you know if you have a relationship with Christ? I don't know. I hope I do. I hear folks all saying, I hope I am. I think I'm okay. I don't know. They play dumb. I'm not going to look into it much further. I don't, I don't really care about it. I hope that I am. I might suffer bad news. I'm not that concerned. And they actually play dumb. I don't know. Hope that I am. Verse 26. Jesus says, what I've been saying from the beginning. Verse 26, I have many things, oh boy, to speak and to judge concerning you, but I won't go there, but he who sent me is true. And the things which I heard from him, these I speak to you. I'm going to go ahead and read verse 27. They did not realize what's wrong with them that he'd been speaking to them about the Father. Verse 28. So Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man talking about the cross, then you will know that I am he. And I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. Now, I want you to notice something. They keep denying Jesus. They keep rejecting Jesus. We do not believe in you. On whose authority have you come? And, and on which testimony should we believe? And now they say, who are you? They keep denying Jesus. They keep rejecting Jesus. 
Well, I want you to notice here, now Jesus turns it on them. And he says, if you don't know me, it's because you don't know my Father. And you see, they're claiming to be experts in the Father's word. That was their claim to fame. They, they claim to be experts in the Father's worship. Oh, we're all about the scripture. We're all about the Father. And he says, you like to deny me. The problem in denying me is you don't know the Father who sent me. See, the father was telling of Jesus. Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus, he was telling of Jesus. Over and over again, he was telling of Jesus. Jesus was the promised one. And he says, Jesus says, you miss me because in all of this show, you've missed him. Verse 29. What a, what a, what a profound verse. Jesus is standing there. They reject him. They reject him. They reject him. And he says this. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. For I always do the things that are pleasing to him. He says, you may reject me. You may deny me. The father doesn't. Jesus knew. Jesus knew. Friends, here's the truth tonight. There is good news. There is great news tonight of God's grace, of God's love for you, of his willingness to forgive every single sin of yours. There's great news tonight, but there's also bad news. And you can make light of it. You can play dumb. You can ignore it and try to push it down the road, but it's still just as true. Here's the question tonight. So why not trust Jesus? So why not trust Jesus? Why not trust Jesus? Let's pray. Dear Father, we come and I'm thankful that you're not a huckster, not a trickster. That you don't tell us one side but not the other side. That you don't set us up and, and not reveal the truth. That you tell us there is good news in your grace and your power but there's also bad news. There's judgment. There's justice that'll be served. There's a penalty for staying in our sin that we earned. You lay it out for us. Lord, I'm thankful for that. And then I pray that hearing the bad news, that we stand up and we cast our eyes into, the, into Jesus, the Savior of good news. And I pray that is the fruit of this message. That is the fruit of this night. Lord, that we would long and we would look for good news. Lord, I pray for somebody here that's tired of their sin. It's tired of the weight of their sin, the constant battle to hide their sin and act like they've put it away somehow. Pray, Lord, that tonight they would turn to you and they'd find peace this night, forgiveness this night, a new start a clean slate this night. Lord, I pray that they would trust you this night. Lord, I come, and again, I just give you this hour. It's yours. We give you this time of response. We ask that you'd move, that you'd work in it. It's yours. I pray the response would bring great glory to you. Lord, we thank you, and that's, that's our heart. We thank you for saving us. We thank you for providing a way to be saved. We're thankful that you paid for it in your own cost, your own death, your own blood. We praise you for it. Lord, now I pray that you would move. 
Pray that we would trust you. Pray that you'd be honored in it. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our service with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I want to tell you, I say it all the time, it's the most important time of this hour, a time to respond to the truth of God's word. Listen to me tonight. There's bad news for you outside of Jesus. You're in the guilt and the condemnation of your sin. He doesn't have to judge you. You're judged, condemned guilty already. And you may come here tonight and say, you know what, I've tried to put it away. I've tried to do good deeds. I've tried to act like it's not the truth. But the truth is, outside of Jesus, you stand in bad news. But I want to tell you there is good news tonight, and the good news is Jesus. He loves you, and he comes, and he pays your penalty, pays mine. Settles it in the cross of Calvary. Can you imagine? Oh, the love, oh, the grace. He takes my sin, my shame, yours as well. He bears it to Calvary, settles it, pays for it there. He put him in a grave, he, he, he dies paying for it. He put him in a grave, he's dead, actually, physically dead. And three days later, he walks out of the grave and he stands as the risen, resurrected Savior, the hope of sinners. And the Bible says the good news of the gospel is if you'll but trust in him, you shall be saved. What's that worth to you? You'll be forgiven. What's that worth to you? Trust Jesus tonight. Maybe you've trusted Christ recently, maybe in the past, but you've never fallen believer's baptism. Now I want to give you an opportunity tonight as well to respond and say, well, I, I, want to, I want to be baptized to show what I believe of Christ. The Bible says it's important. It's in obedience to what Christ says. The Bible says it's always after you're sure that you're saved, what it means to be saved and that you have trusted Christ in salvation. Never before, it's always after in the New Testament. It's always by immersion, not of some other method. In the New Testament, it's always by immersion, signifying what we believe of Jesus, that he died, he was buried, and he's resurrected. So if you're here and you'd say, you know what, I, I, I have trusted Christ, but I want to follow believer's baptism, you come as well. We'll set a day to be a great day of celebration. Maybe you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it and you believe God has led you here. You come as well. Together we'll serve for his glory, his cause. Maybe on this Tuesday night, you want to come pray at an altar. What an awesome thing that we have the opportunity to come and pray at an altar tonight. Maybe you want to come pray with me. I don't know what you're dealing with. Maybe you want to come pray with me. I'm going to ask that no one would stir about, no one would rush about. We got plenty of time. You pray for those that are making decisions. As we stand and sing, if God has spoken to you, you step out. You come on, I'll meet you here.